0: evening and welcome to the laughing monkey music show tonight we have on one of the hooters or a hoot mr eric bazillion and a solo artist and a songwriter and a producer and a
1: million other things how are you doing today man i'm doing okay thanks i'm you know we're all going through our stuff in in this odd time you know i i was um uh i was in in sweden for almost a year because of because of covid and um and um my house here is rented out but i had to come back for to say goodbye to my mother um which i thank thankful yep. i got to do and um now i'm sitting here in my my real studio which is awesome i mean my stuff is has been untouched for a year um, my piano which has been was was built in 1901 and hasn't mm-hmm. been touched in a year was perfectly in tune really nice yep. So everything is exactly the way I left it.
0: That's be like a like a a great gift, it's like a birthday. You Come in, everything's there. All your stuffs out. That's
1: yeah, awesome. it's really. It's a little weird because I. You can see here. I have I have windows. I'm yep. on the second floor of a carriage house, and I look at my house and I see the people who are renting from us w- walking. In and oh. Out. <laughs> but they're really nice, so I, I'm okay with that. It's, that's got to be kind of weird, though. It's kind of weird. Yeah.
0: So we got a couple things going on I want to talk about. And you get the Hooters anniversary coming on. You, the Hooters are still playing. You're doing your soul stuff. You're working on it. Well, you finish an album that we'll talk about. Um, I want to talk about some of the songs you've written. And, and during this process, you've you, in your website, pretty fun website, you've had, you started doing a couple of like breakdown videos of some of the songs.
1: Yeah. Under the Hood with Eric. Under the Hood.
0: hood. Thank you. And I want to thank you for doing them. So I think I, I, I don't have time for them now, but they're awesome. The way you really break it down and you put like the little... Pictures of Latonia, what effects you're using, and everything—it's really great.
1: Cool. Um, I, I really love, joy. I love, I love doing them. And um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like I'm going to make it for the last Monday of this month because, you know, it's yeah. personal stuff that's been going on. Yeah. Um, but I do hope to do one before I go back to Sweden in a couple of weeks because I want to do it here with where I actually have the instruments that I play yeah. on those records. It, it's what's great. It's. You really
0: strip it down. And that's the best part about music is like, you know, you write a song, the best song is written on like an acoustic guitar or, you know what I mean? So when you have all the bears, we were talking earlier, you had the bare minimal stuff, you were still creating, sure. you know, magnificent music. And and that's really the core of what, you know, a really good song is, you know?
1: Yeah, with, it's with minimalism. It's, yeah, it's something you can
0: sing, you know? But like, it is fun to have all the extra toys, though, too, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> oh, I, you know, I love all of it. That's right. the thing, you know, like, you know, you're describing me, and you know, I'm a man of many hats, mm-hmm. you know, and I can, I can techno geek out with the best of them. Yep. And I can also be, you know, shut up in a cabin in the woods with, with, you know, with, with an instrument for, for, for a, a month.
0: Do you write on different instruments, come up with a melody? How are you, like your songwriting process? Has it
1: changed? Yeah. It, it almost always starts with, with some kind of a riff. Yeah. Um, usually guitar riff um, sometimes a mandolin riff mostly lately I've been running I've been writing on a Swedish mandola which is um, sounds more exotic than it is it's it's actually an octave mandolin yeah, it's the big but one it, but it's tuned GDGD instead of GDAE mm-hmm. and um, depending on what key you're in you have to capo it and it's very limiting in terms of like compl- complicated voicings yeah. which is really cool Um, and I still don't really know my way around it. So, uh, you know, I'll just, my, my fingers will land someplace and like, oh, that's cool. And suddenly there's a riff. And then, um, usually I'll record something, you know, I'll, I'll Mm -hmm. click or a beat or something to get my blood going. And I'll record some kind of a chordal riff song structure. Um, Mm -hmm. which is what I did with one of us, you know, I had the guitar riff, um, I don't know if few, there's plenty of stuff online, me talking about. That. Yeah, I, I've, I'm i aware of it, but. But, yeah, you know, yeah. a, a guitar riff and then um, arpeggiated the verses with the same changes, uh, you know, went to the four and five chord a few times for a pre-chorus and then I'll I'll record it in some very basic form. And then usually right. I'll put the headphones on, I'll turn on a mic and I'll start singing. And on a good day, it comes out on the first try which was actually That's what good. happened with one of us and one of us came out in a single pass literally li- oh, every li- almost every word except for the last line of the chorus which I got stuck on and my wife who was my my new girlfriend at the time yeah would sleep on the sofa and woke up and said trying to get home and uh, I got to give her props for that perfect it was you know it was a good song it was a good song with me for 25 years right yeah right (laughs) but that that is you know my that is my process you know it's like i've got to create some kind of a band and then Mm. okay now i'm the singer what am i going to sing and that's when you know i'm i'm channeling i don't know if it's coming from up there down there (laughs) yeah here whatever um a lot of the time the lyrics that come out surprise me it tells me things that I didn't know were going on in my mind. It's a journey. Really, it's ther- It is. It is a journey and it's therapy.
0: What's What's interesting, and I ask that because obviously I love to ask uh, composers how they how they write part of the, the you know the journey of music. Well, listen to some of your solo stuff, and then some of the songs you, you've worked with other people, and then some of the Hooters. There's obviously there's always like a, a line, a linear line that ties everything together because that's who you are. Yep. But there's also a little difference because you're working with different people, different collaborations and stuff. And and one of the things is like what I've heard some of the songs from your newest one. It feels very very stripped back, very um, George Martin produced sound, Vitasque. Am I am I right there? Right on, man. Best company okay. I could get. Because that's what I heard when I heard it. I go, oh, I don't want to say that. Is that that's the right thing to say? Because when I hear it, I hear things, I'm like, oh. But it, that doesn't like the Beatles, but that's the time period. It feels like that's it. It's well, great. I love it. I'm a Beatles fan. You can look behind me. I'm a, am yeah, a, I'm a it, Beatles fan. So,
1: the Beatles are the reason I, I I do this. I'm that I'm that generation that saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and said that's what I want to do. And yeah. I, you know, I'm one of the lucky 0.1 percent who actually got to do it and make a living at it. That's it's fantastic. And
0: I hear that. And then what's what's really neat is because you do have a classical trained background, and it's really so you have so much. Well, a little bit. <laughs> And with your mom, you know, and you you kind of grew up with that. But you also have a great pop sensibility, and and, and I have some questions about like earlier on how you got into this little bit of songwriting. But when I listen to the, something like the Hooters stuff, you you write in layers that's not normal for a pop song. Like with like with a mandolin, like you have almost like you may have one or two different melodies like layered in there. Whereas a simple pop song may just have a couple chords, right. a, a guitar line that is a melody of the chord. Whereas you could actually peel apart some of your songs, and they could actually be another another B. I could be like using for other riffs. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. they work together. It's 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 more than just a simple song. If
1: you really kind of pull, go into the hood, now, they're they're compositions, and 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 you know, my new record is that too. I mean, um, you know, if you listen to the instrumental mixes, there's oh, yeah. melody going on without the vocals. It's um, yeah, you know, I mean, the Beatles were. Probably the first band that really did that, where it wasn't just guitarists playing the chords. There were parts. Mm-hmm. There was yeah, yeah. All, there were counter melodies going going on. You know, it was very Bach like, Beethoven like compositionally. And, it's um...
0: it's fantastic. I I love it. I love. Yeah, I, I was talking about the production for your other I haven't heard, but the few parts of the singles that you've have out so far. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is also with the, the songwriting right here is that you don't, like when people write a song, especially back then, be like, you come with a big, like a big chorus and it would stop and go back into the verse. Mm-hmm. Whereas you guys would have more melody, another, another instrument playing, right, is continuing on. Like afterwards, it wasn't just big chorus formula, you know, you, it would be different instruments too.
1: Yeah, well, there's, that, usually, there's, yeah, there's, there's often uh, an instrumental hook. Theme. right um, like like um carla with a k or day by day has got that 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 on the mandolin yeah. sure but i noticed a lot
0: more that it was you guys were always a bit more complex i always felt and and for mm-hmm. when i you know also where did the the like the, the celtic or celtic feeling come from you guys like in some of your songs i know earlier on you guys i've heard you guys talk about it like it feels very in the music earlier in the hooters kind of felt like a more more, more world, world music i guess i'd say you know i hear the influences it was and it was a perfect time for you guys to come out i think if you come out at a different time i think the 80s was a great time for a lot of the music because
1: yeah i mean it's funny i'm not i'm not really a fan of most 80s music um although i think it is the last music that's been created that will be classic that will be heard yeah. that wedding bands will be playing in 2050 mm-hmm. um but um yeah, we we had quite a journey um, uh, in terms of genre. I mean, I, when the band started, we were we were a ska and reggae band. Um, you know, Rob and I had had a band called Baby Grand before that. That was signed to Arista. We had done a couple of albums, and um, very proud of those records. They're like sort of like Steely Dan on steroids. Like very very prog. I like that. I'll check of, it out. Yeah, it's it's. I, it, they're not available on any of the digital platforms. I think I think they're on um, they're on on YouTube, and I'll, I'll actually send you a Dropbox link so you can hear. If you could, I'd love it. I I love I, I love all that. I love hearing Leone. I love so and that's awesome. We really played as though we were getting paid by the note. I mean, there's some you know as a guitarist, technically that was my, some of my. My, well, certainly flashiest work. I won't say my best work, because I, th- right. still, I still think that's yet to come. But um, um, we, you know, we had done that, and that sort of reached the end of its time. We knew it was time to do something else. And that was right around the time that Madness um, and Our House and right. Well, before Our House, our, our house was sort of their biggest, pop biggest hit commercial, right? Commercial, but they were really in the, in the beginning, they were a real hardcore ska band. Like one step beyond was that yep. their, their first album. And there was a band called the Specials and the Selector and the English Beat. Um, and they were all, you know, all British. There were no Americans, American bands doing that. And Rob had always been a big fan of reggae. And um, I was enough of a fan of it and knew enough about it to say, you know, let's be the, the first, Amer- first American band to do that. Mm-hmm. And, but we'll really make it rock in a way that the uh, the British bands weren't. They were being, staying more true to the original ska thing, you know, we turned the guitars up and made it. So we really were a ska reggae rock band. And we did great, you know, in that genre for, for a few years. We built a huge audience in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, we did our first independent record in 83 and we sold 150,000 copies of it. Which had um, an early version of "All You Zombies,"
0: which, which is huge because I don't think people realize. I mean, we're watching—if you're doing it generationally, this is not the internet. This is this is do it yourself. This isn't like you, you put it up there on a, on a social media site and thousands of people can you, you know see it. This is you know,
1: foot to yeah. the ground shows sweating out. So that's a huge number. That's like no. This was flyers going up on 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 uh, you know on phone poles. This was bumper stickers and this was also the support of local radio wmmr in philadelphia got behind us from the very beginning and not just as a local band but mm-hmm. you know they had us in regular rotation with the cars with you know whoever else they were playing at the time with duran duran yeah that that's great those are
0: the times when when, a, when a, uh you know a station would do that you know stations yeah. are, stations could break bands
1: yep yep they 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 really did i don't know that they're that they do anymore but um there's radio still (laughs) you know you know there is and you know it's funny uh, you know i'm I'm back in philadelphia which has wxpn which is sort Mm -hmm. of the flagship station for the triple a format the adult alternative format which is the only format that really plays cool new music yeah you know and it's funny because you know adele is you know one of the biggest pop stars in the world Mm -hmm. wxpn broke her they were the first station to play "Chasing Pavements," Really? because it was a cool track. You know, same thing with Macy Gray, Seal. So there are still cool, relevant radio stations in in the world, just not a lot of them. No, it, it, yeah, it's not around here. They're not anymore.
0: Everything gets sold out, and it's all the same stuff. I have to go online to find everything. Yeah, you know, sure. you
1: yeah, know. Luckily, there's that. But the um, to get back to yeah. the, to, to our, our genre, yeah. Shift. So, um, in, you know, in between we did Cindy Lauper's record, which was. I have a question about that after. Um, well,
0: you can ask now. Well, okay. So, before I forget, all right, sorry. Yeah. How did you, because you guys were you were big, Cindy was just starting to break too. Well, coming out at the same time as you were. How did you get affiliated to actually be working on an album and songwriting because, you know, you were still a new artist yourself and, you know.
1: Well, the often unsung hero in all of this uh, was a guy named Rick, Rick Chertoff mm-hmm. who was the drummer in the first band that Rob and I were in in, in, in college. Okay. So, um, um, after he graduated he decided that he wasn't going to be a drummer anymore and he was going to be a, a record producer, an A&R guy. And he got a job for Clive Davis at his new, new <sighs> label, Arista. Um, yeah. um, the first thing he did was he found Mandy for Barry Manilow. You know, which look not my bag, but no, no, but but
0: it's huge, right? Yeah, it's not mine either, but 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 musically it's huge.
1: Yeah, and to find that song and say, you know, this guy it's... should sing it. That is A and R, artist mm-hmm. and repertoire. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Rick got got Baby Grand, uh, the, the next band that Rob and I were in together. He he got us signed to Arista and produced those records. Then. You know, the Baby Grant thing ended and Rick left Arista and went to Columbia, where mm-hmm. he became a staff producer and A&R guy there. And in 82, they asked him if he wanted to produce this girl, Cindy Lauper, who they had just signed. And he met her and thought, yeah, there's something here. And rather than, than doing a record with studio musicians, he thought it would be cool to bring me and Rob in as sort of the core band. We spent six months in Philadelphia um, in our little garage workshop with um, a four-track cassette recorder my Porta studio, which I had just gotten, an 808 drum machine, a microphone, and um, we demoed up all of these songs that he had brought in. Uh, Most of the songs on that record were songs that Rick found, like Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which was written by Robert Hazard, another Philadelphia artist. Rick had a heart on for that song and Cindy he knew that Cindy's voice singing that song was a hit and the fact that she hated it didn't make it any easier she thought it was demeaning to women I will never sing that song and it wasn't until we came up with that arrangement uh, that I came up with that guitar riff that all of a sudden her tune changed and I always wanted to sing that song it's so empowering to women but um (laughs) So, it, yeah, it, that, you know, that was Rick. And Rick really, um, you know, we all hunkered down and we came up with those arrangements and, you know, went to the record plant in New York and made the album. And somewhere along the way, Cindy and Rob wrote a song called Time After Time.
0: Oh, that's such a beautiful song. Yeah.
1: So, you know, Rob and I are, aside from the drums and most of the bass, were the band on that record
0: that's fantastic i never knew that full connection i knew there was like a light i'm like i'm like because you know back then like producers and having unknown people get near a board or write with artists and stuff was really hard i mean everything was back the you know studios were locked really locked down there's like five producers that could do everything right. you know yep. so you having that connection and then it was a gift into its own but then once you were there you guys had the skills to deliver because otherwise it just would have fizzled out <laughs> if you couldn't yep. do it so yeah. it was it was it was a perfect meeting of the two to get there and then once you're there you knew what to do. Well we we had
1: an amazing team. You know, Rob is a great keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Um I can play guitar and I can play bass and I can play mandolin and I can play melodica and basically anything with strings on it or that you blow into. Um we had um, William Whitman as an engineer who is still I think the single greatest living tone meister in the world and, and yeah. a great producer and he produced the outfields albums okay um, I've I writing years. Years. Yeah. And, um, and then we had rick who is a brilliant producer who would not let up until he got something that was special you know See, that's go a good there, there. i could go in there you know and play play the play the guitar part and he's like i'm not feeling it you know and and uh, you know i do it again and nope not feeling it and then i would do something completely different that i never never would have done normally and that's the magic sauce it's just having that combination of people and and then cindy in the in there who's so unusual and she's brilliant <laughs> in her wacky and not always easy but but uh, always it always pays off way that's great. I mean, I think
0: that the fact that the producer calls to look above, you know, he's looking down, he's not in there and he can see right. the pieces of the pie.
1: Right. That's a skill that not
0: everyone has to,
1: and to, and to producers see. now, you know, producer now is a guy with a laptop who get, right. you know, who, who does everything. So there are very few, you know, old school from above producers, I, I guess, like, like Rick Rubin mm-hmm. is good example of, of that. He's still doing
0: it. Yeah, there really is much. I mean, I, I i said this before the show. I went to school for for it. and like it was like literally, I learned, a, you know, twenty four track, a, a splicing with a razor yeah. and stuff. Beautiful stuff. Learning. I mean, and this is this is leading so a lot of albums that could come out in a time period. So I was in production, you know, it was a music business school. Um, I want to go back on some of my favorite albums, and at the time, Nervous Night was you know, one of my favorites. I said earlier, I'd seen you guys open for Loverboy, mm-hmm. but the sounds you guys were a little different, and, and that kind of leads in with like with the 80s i mean there's a lot of crappy to dance too there's crappy guns every 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 time period but what was neat about the 80s and i don't know if everybody recognizes the same is so many different sounds could come out were accepted yep and i've heard about like you could have like men at work and then you guys could have your sound and then you could have like yeah like a lover boy and they could all be called pop or city lopper a lot of those artists right now you could not have all the sounds pretty much after that all the genres were kind of they were kind of sound the same i'm not sounding like an old person i I do sound like an old person get off my lawn but but what i'm saying is there is no difference i mean production wise the sound is all chopped together megahertz like you, i'm saying it's just no
1: yeah well look you know i periodically will peruse the spotify top 50 and you know literally everything sounds the same to me you know when I listen to a record from the 60s, 70s, 80s, not even 90s, I, I see a guitar player. I see a keyboard player. I see a drummer. Now, when I listen, I see a guy with a laptop. Yeah. It's, it's crazy.
0: It, you and, know, I, I, I do a show. Oh, sorry, I mean, to step on you. It was like a record thing I do. Like say, we, like, say we, you and then me, we each pick records from our collection like, that we love, right? Mm-hmm. And we just go, boom. You know, I was we'll talking about Van Halen or, or Frank Zappa or like the last guy, I had Super on Breakfast America, and you'll open it up and um, someone else had like, you know, Alice Cooper and you open it up, and look, it's a desk and it comes with here and here's like pictures of artists doing stuff and we we'll talk about who the producer was and the songs and you, you really just, it's a whole, it's an event. Yep. And that died in the 90s.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there is still some great music being made. You know, for example, I think Billie Eilish and and her brother Phineas are brilliant. I um I didn't want to like them because they were you know the flavor of the of yep. the month I thought. Then um, I saw them perform at, at uh, an ASCAP awards hmm. event, just the two of them, and I was blown away. He you know he played he played piano. He played great. She sings. Amazingly, she really yeah. has a
0: timeless. My kids turned me on too. Like, I agree. I mean, that's what I would listen to. but I've, I had to go back and
1: look it up and go, "Like, all right, I get it." And their songs; those are real mm-hmm. songs. Uh, yeah. I could, you know, I heard them once and I could remember how some of them went. Yeah, it was a very rare thing today. So, you know, yeah, they've got, they've got a thing going on. Well,
0: I mean, of course, it's like I, there are artists. Like I'm saying, with the whole event of being able to do a whole thing where, like, build an artist couple of years and, and yeah. albums and and there was producers and there's like a whole team and you know people were putting songs together yep. i'm saying the the ritual of of, of yep. music is kind of evaporated it's, it's just pockets of it now
1: yeah well there, and you know there was a whole darwinian process you know to get into a studio and a great phrase almost, for it <laughs> yeah you had to pay for it yeah. um, and that meant that you had to go out and play live and get a live following mm-hmm. and get the attention of a record company and 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 do Good. it you know now a 12 year old with a laptop can make something that sounds like a record yeah not that That's i have anything against 12 year olds with laptops believe me when i was 12 if i could have had a laptop i would have right i mean and just, it's just it's
0: it's just crazy that it has changed so much um did, when, when the shift so, like, so, like so for me, things changed Like, right when I got my degree, I got done editing, you know, big, whatever, 24-track studio, analog, Mac came out, with the laptops. Like, yep. first started doing it. Everything started to go digital. I started learning that and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But just as there's, like, a seismic shift in the music industry, for that, for me, that was around the same time that pop changed, grunt kind of came in, radio formats changed.
1: Mm-hmm. that kind of affect you guys, too? Um... I don't think it affected the Hooters, really, because we were already a legacy band at that point. You know, you know, our big splash in the U.S. was 85, 86, and we kept momentum going through the 80s. But by the 90s, we were kind of done in the U.S. Fortunately, Germany and Scandinavia had had embraced us, and we toured very successfully and kept releasing records, you know, through 95. In, Germany's in, the best if, if Germany loves you they will support you for the rest of your days They, they you know, once the royalty, you have a band in Germany you have them forever mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's, there's so many bands they've done it to and it's, it's fantastic because the fickle American audience
1: yeah uh, you know it's, it's you know it's funny because I think what's happened with the audiences today it, it's become uh, the, the word I've seen is balkanized it's very niche oriented now Yes, mm. you've got you know you've got your your pop, you've got your Ed Sheerans and your Drakes and your Justin Beavers and um, um, Dua Lipas, who you know a billion streams. Right. But there's also a whole world of alternative rock out there. Okay, they only get thirty million streams, and I've never heard of any of them, but yeah, they yeah. have this whole rabid audience following. Then you've got the whole garage rock scene and there are all these bands doing that um you um, remember the lumineers yeah huge hit I mean what was that that was like one guitar and stomping and clapping and hey ho mm-hmm. um that's the last time I remember a song like that kind of crossing over into pop but what's happened now is it it's become so tribal mm-hmm. you know you know, you, you know, you you like this particular kind of emo rock. You like this particular kind of death metal. You like that particular kind of alt- alternative pop. You like that particular type of hard style EDM.
0: It's it's hard. I like to when I have people on the show, I'll say one of the phrases I hate is you people say, "What's your guilty music? Like, what's your guilty thing?" I'm like, I'm not guilty of anything I have in my thing. I'll listen to ABBA and I'll listen to Slayer. I listen to Hooters. I will listen to, you know, Mozart. I got records by. I listen to everything. I'm not. I don't feel guilty for anything I like. I like music. I mean, there are artists I don't particularly care for, but I wouldn't tear them down because they're artists. Yeah. I don't. I don't like it It doesn't mean you. You know. But with that, the time period we could do that. I could go either. There's even concerts. at the time you could go see different types of bands. It's sort of a a similar thing. But there were still different types of music you could go see, even at festivals. Now you're right. It's, it's one thing. Yeah. You know.
1: And you, you, what you I can't... love about, what one thing that I love about playing at festivals in, in, in Europe is that they have a whole spectrum of artists on the same yeah. stage. You know, um, beautiful. even like, hard, we play a lot of hard rock festivals, which mm-hmm. you think would be a weird fit, but they love us. When they I sing don't... the accordion and the mandolin, they go nuts. Yeah, I love the fact you play the mandolin. How, how did you get into it so much? Like, did, what led you to that early on? I mean um it's funny when we made our our very first uh demos for the band that would become the hooters um rob was curious about the mandolin it sounds beautiful he he had you know he didn't want to play it but he thought that i should <laughs> so we borrowed a man he borrowed a mandolin from a friend of his and i was producing a band at the time that had a melodica mm-hmm. so i brought the melodica in he brought the the um the mandolin in and that it just stuck. I, you know, I didn't know my way around the mandolin, so I just found my own crazy chord structures and yeah. and, and riffs, and that just sort of stuck. Um, it, it adds something to
0: your music. It's so different. Like it's like a layer of like it's a melody, but it's
1: I, I, I'm I'm lost for words. I, I, it's, tec- it's just another texture. It takes up a, 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 a different space that that a guitar doesn't sonically. Yeah, doesn't you know. Um, the fact that it's tuned in fifths like a violin Mm -hmm. you you get more open chord voicings that way Um, and it's funny though after that those first demos the mandolin disappeared for a while because it didn't really fit into the ska reggae Mm -hmm. thing we were doing Um, but then um, when we uh, we went to so you know we we did the cindy record uh, we had our huge following in Philadelphia. We did the our indie record, Amore, mm. sold a bunch of them, got signed to Columbia and started writing songs for that record. And um, one of the earliest songs we wrote was And We Danced. Okay. I remembered the song that we had used the mandolin on from our first demo that went by the wayside. The song wasn't great, but it had a really cool mandolin melodica riff. So I sort of adapted that to what and we danced was becoming and that's when it reappeared um and the melodica you know reappeared as well in a, in a more prominent role which is really kind of tied to tied you tied to you guys on a yep. huge level <laughs> and and then, and then something else happened i remember specifically while we were in pre-production for, for that song um i was looking for a guitar part mm-hmm. and it the you know with the hooters i had in in our ska and reggae phase i had kind of put my rock guitar dreams aside (laughs) you know i just thought idiomatically the you know the ska thing is more clean guitar not so much shredding it's you know kind of more basic punky and we were looking for a guitar part and and rick shirt was with us and he said how about you turn that guitar up and sound like eric bazillion again so I did, and I came up with that guitar riff, you know, the arpeggiated verse riff yeah. and the, the chordal chorus riff. And then you know, our drummer got to play rock drums again for the first time in a while, which is something that he's amazing at. And then it found its way into day by day and where did the children go? And it really became a signature part of our sound. It was great. And I think one of the things you guys
0: also had to me, and you can probably put in better words, obviously, it was almost haunting, like your melodies on some of them were haunting more powerful, It like just felt bigger. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, no one else is doing that, especially just you'd hear it. it, just felt like so much more going on. It was just uh, a lack of words of that one, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, and that was one of my favorite things about you guys because your sounds that you, you guys chose to to, to present it with, along with, and you, then you'd rock out and then you kind of go back again. And was that a lot of uh, Rob's the keyboard effects, and he was doing two of his sounds?
1: It was, you know, it was all of us. You know, it was, you know, Rob saying, "Why don't you try the mandolin here?" Me saying, "Why don't you try that sound on the on the Juno there?" Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was really a a mind meld at its best. Because you and, guys continued
0: on. I mean, obviously that was your big one. Then zigzag yeah. yourself, but you, you guys did not waver in, in quality songs either. Just the, the radio did not embrace it the same.
1: Well, the radio in the United States didn't. Right. I so, one way home came out in in Germany, and Johnny B, was mm-hmm. like a number one record there, um, which was sort of the, was the beginning of the end of our career here. But, you know, even you know, if I were driving on the autobahn and got pulled over, <laughs> I would say to the policeman, uh, ha, "Have you heard of the Hooters? The, the Hooters, Johnny B. How much there?" And he'd start singing along, and he'd let me go. <laughs> that's good that's awesome. You know, and then and Carla with a K, which is possibly the most hooterized song of all time. Yeah. Um, so those those are the showstoppers over there. You know, we do, we do and we danced over there, and they love it because it's a great rocking song and it ends the set well. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that's a song that that they grew up hearing on the radio. Yeah, and I, I love Johnny B too. I, I you know. And then and then you know you get into uh, Zigzag, the third Columbia album, five hundred miles was a hit in Sweden. Go figure. Awesome. But it's
0: good. I mean, other markets appreciated you when, you know, America got fickle.
1: Yeah, well, as I I'd like to say we kept having bigger hits in smaller countries.
0: That's good, though. A lot of people yeah. didn't have any hits. I think yep. it's good. You're a musician. You're not, you know, less rock star, more musician. You, know, you play instruments, you write songs. It's what you do?
1: You know what? The, the rock star thing, you know, I saw the Beatles and I thought I want to be one of, be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really, that wasn't really what motivated me. And that's really not what motivates me now. It's the work. I want my music to be famous. I don't care about me. I, I, I like to be, I like to walk down the street unrecognized. I understand that you are a musician. I'm saying, I, you know, I like to have like musicians on the show because I like that. It's,
0: you know, the thought of something you see like the Beatles and stuff, I could have imagined that, like don't have the talent, just being in that position, the anxiety, I I'd have, I'd have an anxiety attack or something to have that, have that attention right on you for that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's just it's so unreal. Like no one says, no, that song kind of sucks or no, what's wrong with you? Get up and get it yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying they, they were doing it, but to have that idol worship is just so ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know people who are really famous. I've worked with a bunch of them and I, I would not trade places with them at all. You know, it just looks crazy. I have I have the respect of my peers. Which and is all you could want. Yeah, really. I mean, I've seen people, I've seen
0: interviews with them they'll be like, so you're the best rock singer in the world. How do you what do you have to say about that? They're like, I don't Is that a question? Was that a statement? Thank you. Like you don't want to be like, that, that's really nothing. That's not even <laughs> So where can you go with that? So, let's, so you did you work with Desmond Child? I know you do you, you actually work with him directly? Oh yeah, a lot. A lot. i thought had him on the show. He's he's fantastic. Talked, we've talked we talked about some of his songs, and I'm going to say, two albums that I thought were like the, they didn't get big that were that I thought were the you know they should have been bigger. Was the was he did an album with Rat, and he did an album, um, it was a Scorpions' album, and I believe you wrote some songs to Scorpions I wrote for that, most right? Most of that album. That was one of the albums. That album should have been bigger. That that, I don't know. escaped the world. I, I, I think it did really well in, in other countries. Of course, it did yeah because <laughs> Americans gave up my music at one point it was good it was really good and I, and I know you've continued writing other songs too for them yeah you wrote I, I, I start,
1: Lee." I started is, writing with them in 2003 wow and I think six or seven of the songs that we wrote back then mm-hmm. ended up on Sting in the Tail yeah Loralee Lee, be one of them right that is a beautiful song which one is it Laura, Laura Lee? Loralei Loralei yeah. sorry lives.
0: sorry, yeah actually Lorelai.
1: that that's that's a funny one um <clears throat> that was really written by by two friends of mine in in Sweden um and I jumped in and and, and you know wrote wrote the second verse and mm. did made some musical tweaks on it at the last minute but that was my two those are the two guys that I wrote um um the best is yet to come with oh wow because at the end of my first session with, with the Scorpions in 2003, uh, Klaus said to me, "So Eric, you are going to Sweden. Why don't you write us a hit song with your Swedish hit maker, Friends? <laughs> so we wrote, with, with Frederick Tamander and um, and um, Gary Vikström. Uh, uh, we wrote The Best is Yet to Come, which didn't make that album and didn't make Humanity. Desmond didn't like it. And no. then it went on, um, on uh, sting the tail. And according to my my ASCAP statements, song's still doing really well. It's a good album. There's there's still doing well. I was they supposed to produce that album. Really? What happened yep. to that? Ah, a Swede stole it from me. <sighs> now it's fine. It's fine. Honestly, being a producer is a thankless job. I do it out of necessity, or I do it if it's someone that I really, really just love love working with yeah yeah because yeah if, you, if you, but being a producer
0: being a songwriter you and a performer you'd really know and i always think the best artists are producers yep. are artists themselves and you could play that into you know the easy the easy example would be outside of this what we're talking about would be like a ted Templeman with van halen like when to get that rock sound or or, or, or when or you know, ted Temple would do i don't know any other artist he would do he knew the, the, you know, the melodies and he could pull things out of the air like the, the, that you needed to fill the holes or not fill the holes in a song, because sometimes not having a sound is the best part of the music, the space.
1: Yep. I, and honestly, I, lo- I love being produced. I much prefer being produced to producing. Oh, yeah? By a good producer. Do you, do you have a, fa- a favorite producer? Um, well, aside from Rick Chertoff, who is you know, my hero and right. whom I'm eternally grateful, um. Uh, I, I enjoy working with Desmond a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, not always easy, but he didn't produce, so he's he's well. I don't think he's been able to produce. He's he's always had a hard time being able to produce, though, right? He produced. Um, he he produced humanity. Yeah. Okay. And he produced. Um, uh, oh, no, he's produced a lot of huge stuff. Joan Jett share, but he produced. Um, um, and, and the uh, the Billy Myers album that that we did together. It's the rain. Um, but uh, no, what was the one I was thinking of that was really um, g- kind of an epic uh, production job? Uh, it'll come back to me. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, oh, Meatloaf, the Bad oh. Out of Hell 3, he produced Three. that. That um, was a big Yeah. Well, it's Meatloaf. But, um, but um, there's actually, my, my favorite current producer is, is a new friend uh, I made in Slovenia. Uh, of all places but my my journey in sweden led me mm. to to slovenia and this guy named martin stibernik who is a genius musician producer uh everything but um i ended up making a record with with a slovenian artist in his studio which is very much like my studio it's in his house and it's yeah. awesome and he pulled stuff out of me that was just like wow that's good that's exciting and i I enjoyed it so much um there's an artist in philadelphia that i've been working with for for some years named alexis cunningham Mm -hmm. i met her when she was like 21 years old and the last thing i wanted was an an unsigned untested new artist but i heard her voice i met her i really liked her and we have been collaborating i think seven years now that we've been we've been writing songs, recording them, and you know, waiting for the secret sauce that was going to make the thing that, that the world was waiting for. And I brought yeah. him over here, Martin came over here, and, and in, in 10 days we made what is going to someday be an epic album, when the world becomes a safe place to release, release. music and, and launch a new career. So that's with her, and you were part of that. What about
0: Talk about releasing. What about your album too? What about
1: singles? <laughs> when well, you're you release? Are you going to wait till the, the world's safe on that one too? Or are you going to? No, no. Uh, I mean, mean... For, me, for me, the world is never going to be a safe place. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy from, you know, from an '80s band, <laughs> and, and you know, nobody, nobody knows who I am. Um, no, but the world's never going to be safe for me. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's cool. And you know, I, I made this record with no expectations it came out better than i thought it would um uh I, you know then i've got some great videos actually the, the, um I'm a, we're about to put up the video for um sarah when she's sleeping okay which was done by this by hailey monson the same young woman that d- uh, did the animation for uh, heaven ain't gonna save us and um and i miss everything oh, the, oh wow, okay these two singles do, do a good job on that yeah, she's great. She's great. I, I totally stumbled upon, upon her by accident. Um, uh, and then the, the the next single I've got coming in April is has an amazing video that is not animated that I shot last summer in the Swedish countryside and will blow some minds. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear the music too because from what I've heard, like I and said. the album I'll probably probably release the album in April. You know, the thing with albums is you used to release an album and then you would release the singles mm-hmm. or you would release one single, then the album. But now the way Spotify and Apple Music work with the, the algorithm things, once the album is out, you're done. So any singles that you think are viable, you have to release before the album comes out. So I'm playing that game and I'm doing it with, you know, I've got a great team of, you know, digital promotion people. And, you know, they're doing their best. I even have a radio promo guy work it, working it. and. Wow. You know he's a legend, and he's doing his best. And you know anything that comes of it, I will be surprised and grateful for.
0: Well, he's has for the right right tribe <laughs> to put it. You know what I mean? That's all. Yeah, I'm excited for. It. I'm excited to hear the whole the whole thing. Um, so you got a lot going on. So hopefully, and the thing is, I know obviously they're saying now nothing's really no touring Whatever. So a lot of bands, I think, are starting to release their albums now. Some are holding them. Some are like, we should put it out now. And, and I, I love to ask the question. There's no wrong answer. There's no, there's no right answer, like, when to do it. Right. And, and I, like, you call yourself a legacy artist, and a lot of legacy artists are the same. Some are like, no, I want to tour on it. And some are like, I've actually just, I'm done, and I've been holding it, and i am already
1: started writing another one. This, I'm getting back up. i got to release it, because i got more coming,
0: you know, as an artist.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that's sort of what, what Alexis and I are doing now, because we have this album, This great album sitting on on a hard drive yeah and you know i've sent it to my people that i know who are still in the the business at Mm -hmm. from the majors down to the indies and they all say this is great let me know when you have a million followers you know you've got to get the you know get get. so what we're doing now is we're doing we've just finished an ep of beach boys covers like very very um reinvented Beach Boys covers some of them like like across the board old to new Beach Boys are like earlier yeah. old well yeah most, yeah, classic you know all all hits all the hits yeah In and the summer you know and we're going to release that a to get you know her name out out there and mm-hmm. just so that there's some content and people can hear what a great singer she is and and what a great vocal blend we have yeah and um And actually, now we're working on some Carpenters covers, talking about guilty pleasures. right? And I've never been guilty about that either. I've always loved the Carpenters. I think I love a melody and they
0: are great. Those melodies were just... I'll I'll learn the lead lines on guitar just because it's so much fun. It's just a good... A good melody is really it.
1: Speaking of guitar, they had an amazing guitarist in that band named Tony Peluso. And Mm -hmm. on... Their there later records, there's some amazing guitar playing that he did. There's a song called uh, Goodbye to Love, mm-hmm. which the second, like the last two minutes of the song is guitar solo, like fuzzy guitar solo. I will have to go check it out after we,
0: tonight. Oh. And,
1: and there's another song called Happy, which mm-hmm. doesn't really have a guitar solo, but it's built around this amazing guitar riff that he played. I will. that's so hidden gem. But, but yeah, to get back to the issue of, you know, when to release and how to release, yeah. we're going to, you know, we, we are holding the real album until whenever we mm-hmm. think it has a, a shot. But in the meantime, you know, we'll get her name out there. We'll get my name out there. We'll get our the sound yeah. out there. And That's then we'll idea. hit them over the head with the real thing.
0: Well, when, she's, when you're ready, if you want to have her come on, we can promote her stuff, too. Yep. Put her name out there. Let me know. We'll do it. I'm all about promoting people. Um while we're talking about promoting and waiting for tours, this other band you're in the Hooters, fortieth anniversary you were talking? Yep. What are we looking at? So obviously everyone everyone got the brakes on, but it is forty years. We're just taking a breath. <laughs> and then you're gonna jump into it once once it touring starts. I know everyone's talking maybe twenty twenty two now is the real realistic Yeah, you well, were.
1: we're we are we are locked and loaded. Oh good. You know, I mean yeah. Oh, we had, we had plans and now we've got even more plans. Good. You know, That's and now that know. I've done, now that I've done solo record um, and you know, I've gotten my first shot soon. I'll be fully vaccinated. Travel yeah. will become more of an option for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Rob and I are talking about actually seeing if we can maybe hunker down and get another Hooters record.
0: That's going to ask you if you're going to do something special or like to add to it. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like a re-release or something, addition or something. A new That? would be even better. That would yeah. be the best. I mean, listen,
1: it's not easy after, after 40 years um, because the bar is so high. You know, are we going to write a better rock song than, than we danced? You know, are we going to write a better reggae rock song than all you zombies? Are we going to write a better, you know, hard, kind of semi-hard rock ballad than, than Johnny B.? Mm. Are we going to write a better Celtic, zydeco tinged um, uh, song than Carlo with a K? I don't know, but you know what? We're going to try. You can try. It's good to compete against yourself until you get until you're done with it, mm-hmm. and
0: then it's just another good song. Because there's a certain point, like with your kids, you know what I mean? They're all different. Yeah. You know? Except I tell cool. my kids I love one of them the most, and every day is a fresh day for them to prove themselves better for me. Oh, Nice. <laughs> That's our that's our little secret on the internet, um, but but seriously, I mean, your songs. I mean, you can't. There's no way. How could you compete against a perfect song at the perfect time? Like, say, like "And We danced didn't become huge, but it was a good. It's a good song. You know what I'm saying, would it have been any better or less a song if it right. didn't and,
1: right.
0: comparably to you. I mean, it's great to get the accolades and and, and the cash and the support because more support means you can do more music, and and that's the
1: goal. Right. You know, another, but it doesn't change the song. Big... a big factor and I think all legacy bands face this you make another record what songs what hits do you take out of your live set yeah to play that you know the Stones put out a new record their last record was pretty good Mm -hmm. but even you know last time I saw them Mick said okay now's the time when you can go grab another beer we're gonna do a couple songs from the new record well yeah because it's
0: the audiences are weird because 'cause you'll have half that wants new albums and half that doesn't. So then you're like is an artist do you want to create, but then is it financially feasible? 'Cause some some artists at the point are like, No, I'm just gonna go out and do the hits. Yeah. Every summer. Or I'm gonna do fly in dates because that makes more money because playing these small gigs, you know, saturates the market, yep. you're not getting anything out of it. You know, and that's the thing now, the fly in dates with the with the hits. Yeah. The Whereas me, is- I I get it either way, but I appreciate it.
1: For us, every show it's still like we're in nineteen eighty and we're trying to prove ourselves, and we're always evolving the show even if even if the songs are the same and there's certain blocks of songs that will always go together because they have amazing segues, yeah, the show's different every night there's a you know that we always bring something special to it,
0: the energy you have in it, and it's just
1: the energy it's all... is, and it's funny, even though. You know, like like guitar solos, for example. Okay, mm-hmm. guitar solo and "All You Zombies." That's like, okay, I won't. I, I don't want to compare myself to David Gilmore, but it's kind of like the solo on "Another Brick in the Wall." You know, when Pink Floyd, or or Roger Waters do "Another Brick in the Wall," that guitar solo is going to go da 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 da. All you zombies, that guitar solo has got to go da 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 da. Ding ding and I tried doing different solos for a while. And you know what? Didn't make anybody happy. You know, the
0: solo, a, a sound, an extra guitar sound similar, could have been a, a Clapton type of song, too. Uh, one of your solos, too. Same thing. Well, yeah, uh,
1: Clapton, yeah, Clapton was definitely, he was one of those. Ambics.
0: It was a good sound. It, it, like, I couldn't really hear this on his on uh, the Boulevard album or something. It was very, in, in that time period, the guitar solo. That's in, in all, all, it's one of the songs of your first album. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. You got, yeah. There's a lot of rock in that album that's so layered in with everything else you know yep. just a lot of different stuff people hear one thing they hear the keyboard or or the little keyboard you know the you did so this we got popular for i'm sure you get beat up with that question a lot well i want to thank you for being on the show tonight um i'm glad you come on um we'll put all your links and everything that you have underneath when we put it up i'll let you know and um when the album comes out you have more stuff you want to promote let me know i'll have really? you on we have that girl come on again. I don't remember. I'm sorry, her name. Alexis. We promote her yeah. Alexis. Yep. Remember that name. I will. We'll will promote her and then we can, we can do the Hooters again. Okay. Yep. Anything to support you guys and help you get some more views. All right. I want to thank you for being on the show.
1: Much appreciated. My pleasure. Right.
0: Thank you. Take care. Man.